You are listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure you're following us on all social media at lunchpailguys underscore. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the 202nd week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. This is Jared podcasting alongside Lucas, Bart, and Aiden. Uh, we're going to get straight into it with um, the, some NFL news. A lot of the news um, in this kind of off week was about the coaching carousel. Um, instead of grading the people that did get hired, we're going to talk about if we were surprised by people that either didn't get hired or fired. Um, so let's go around to a couple different coaches that I think have been talked about a lot this off season, And we'll start off with Bart, Sean McDermott with the Buffalo Bills. Are you how surprised are you that he is retaining his job with the Buffalo Bills? Honestly, not that surprised. I don't I don't really mind the fact that he's still there. I feel like the biggest knock that people are bringing up is his playoff success cuz like it frankly it can't possibly be the regular season stuff if you look at the Bills numbers like past 3 or 4 seasons both sides of the ball, they've been fantastic. It's about the playoffs, right? So my first thought was like Look at other coaches who struggled to win for years before finally winning at all. Like Tony Dungy had Peyton Manning. He lost like four straight years before they finally won the Super Bowl. John Harbaugh, same thing. Bill Cower, I saw, was the Steelers coach for 15 years. He didn't win the Super Bowl with them until his second to last season. So like, there are plenty of examples of coaches struggling in the playoffs and not getting fired, which is why I think it's kind of, that's one good reason. And then the other thing is like, They've been losing a lot to the Chiefs, the Mahomes and Andy Reid Chiefs, who are like the next dynasty. This is not some random team. Like, we're going to look back on the Chiefs, you know, in a few decades and think about them as one of the best teams ever. So I don't really think the fact that they can't get over the hump means that they need to fire McDermott. Like, are you going to find a coach who's better than that, who gives them a better chance to beat them? I'm not really so sure about that. So, you know, I understand, yeah, sometimes you want to fire the coach just to have like a fresh face and maybe that's all they need, but... I'm not convinced it matters. I, I'm fine with McDermott staying there. And it's not like they keep getting outclassed in the playoffs either is the thing in the Chiefs games. They're, yeah. They've come really close. And so the fact that it's like they're right there next to the, one of, like you said, Bart, the greatest NFL teams of all time in the Chiefs, I think it's kind of would be ridiculous to fire him at this point. I think there's just been too much or too many positives considering like the history of that franchise since you know all the lost Super Bowls in the 90s that they were just like, not very good, and McDermott, you know, compared with, combined with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, everybody just sort of bringing them back to, like, increase relevance. I think to blow it up because of a few close losses to one of the greatest teams in NFL history would be ridiculous. I was, Maybe, I was Maybe that's say too strong that, of a word, but yeah. I think that's going to be right, though. If, if the playoff rule for overtime had changed a little bit earlier... And Josh Allen had gotten the ball back in that 22 divisional game against the Chiefs. We might not even be having this conversation, right? Like that game was that close. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah. Right. The margins cool. on all these things are so slim. It just feels like they've been unlucky to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Like if they're in the NFC, if they're in what? Oh, go ahead. If they're in the NFC, they've probably what? Do you think they're in the playoffs a couple or the Super Bowl rather, like a couple of these years maybe? If they're in the yeah. NFC, yeah. you know. Yeah, 100%. I think last, like, any of the last three years, they would have had a very good shot. Because, not to 
I mean, drag the NFC, but I think the overall quality is worse than the um, than the AFC at this point. I mean, the, the Niners have been good the past few years. The Eagles had last year. The Lions had this year. But in terms of, like, overall consistency of teams, I think that by far the AFC is much di- more difficult to get through. Not, the, not just because of the Chiefs, but because of just, like, the number of really good teams that are there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we're yeah, that's, we're all kind of in agreement in that one. I think like yeah, some people mm-hmm. that like are definitely a little more pitchforks out or like he needs to go because he can't beat the Chiefs. But yeah, I don't know if that's as big an indictment. Um, Who can beat the Chiefs? You know. Like, yeah, exactly. Not many people have done it. It's literally it's Brady twice and then Joe Burrow, and that's the list. Yeah, that one. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. What? A, go ahead, Bart. Sorry. No, that's that's it. Oh, that's the list. Um, Bill Belichick did not get hired in this coaching carousel. Um, Aiden, how surprised are you by that? Also not surprised. I was surprised by all the buzz around the Falcons hiring him. Um, that's This is not a knock on Bill Belichick, who obviously is one of, if not the greatest NFL head coach of all time. His resume is, is really hard to match. Uh, but if you look at recent history, it's just hard to really make a case, especially given the success of young coaches in the league right now. Like Since Brady left... And even before that, his team building really kind of just went downhill. You know, like there's there's always the stats get, that get thrown around around like I think the last guy they drafted to sign extension with New England upon the conclusion of his rookie deal was Duran Harmon in 2013. He was a 2013 third rounder. Um, so a combination of just not drafting well um, and when they did draft well, not re-signing guys has meant that their team is just, it lacks the depth of the, the teams from earlier in Belichick's tenure. Um, you combine that with the fact that, like, Mac Jones, he's, you know, maybe not an incredible quarterback and was never going to be a good quarterback, but they handled that really weirdly. He had a, like, pretty good rookie season. And then, um, what's it called? Josh McDaniel left for the Raiders. They hired Matt Patricia to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, that was a mess. Mac got injured in like the first three games, then came back week seven and was like benched pretty immediately in the game. It was just a very strange handling of a young quarterback. And given how important handling young quarterbacks is these days, especially for the teams that are looking for a head coach and are looking to kind of develop somebody, uh, I feel like that's a red flag. And you also have the fact that he just kind of needs to be in control all the time. So just from like a meta standpoint, it's weird for someone for a team executive of one of these teams to hire Belichick, knowing that he's going to come in and try to, like, take the reins, really. Um, And you have just the fact that he's a bit old school. He's 71. You know, it doesn't seem like he's, like, the type of coach that people want to play for these days. Um, And again, this is not to, like, I think it's possible someone hires him at some point. Um, I have no doubt he can still coach a good defense. I just feel like everyone's looking for their own Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. Um... And Bill Belichick doesn't really fit the bill in terms of what teams are looking for right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I am surprised, though, that nobody just took it as an... Like, given the the weight of his name, like, because, yeah, a lot of teams are looking for somebody like Mike Vey to come in and sort of revitalize a franchise that's young, that has energy. But, I don't know, the commanders hired Dan Quinn. Like, I don't know, at the end of the day, like, there are some teams I feel like that aren't willing to take that risk going for, like, the next young new thing. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's going to be at least one franchise that 
you know, ends up hiring somebody like a Dan Quinn that would be mm-hmm. better off served hiring Belichick in that exact same scenario. So mm-hmm. why I do agree that it might not have been the best hire, given all the reasons you like sort of listed out for a team not to hire him. I am surprised that, not like very surprised, but like a little surprised that no team just even took a chance on a mm-hmm. working. I think it is a bit surprising that like no one, or it seemed like the Falcons were the only team that were interviewing him, right? Um, and there was a lot mm-hmm. of buzz around that mm-hmm. actually happening, and it, and it didn't happen. It is kind of surprising that he didn't get at least more interviews with teams. Yeah. Or maybe that was him not being interested. It, it can be a two-sided thing. But. I, think, I think if he would have left the Patriots after like 2021 or last year when he went 10-7 or 8-9, that's like a little easier case, but like he just went four and thirteen. Like that's not a good coach. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but part of me wants yeah, him to never get another gig, though. It, it's just like the yeah. kind of like riding off into the sunset as like the goat coach mm-hmm. and not being awful somewhere mm-hmm. else. It's kind of yeah. nice yeah. to it. No, exactly. I think yeah, the sure. or the interesting thing is that he's like fifteen wins short of Don Shula's win record, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that's what the like. And that's like an, that's the argument that. that the teams can use against exactly. Not hiring right. is like, well, he doesn't care term, about our kinda, like, yeah. organization. Yeah. He wants mm-hmm. to get the record. Yeah. But yeah. I could see Belichick like not really caring about the right. Re- you know, like I could see him just yeah. wanting to coach. Mm-hmm. It's it's harder for me to imagine yeah. Belichick sitting at home than you know, um, pretty much anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Okay, uh, what about our your beloved Nick Sirianni, Lucas? How surprised are you? There's a lot of people saying that he should be removed after this year. Um, what do you? What are your thoughts, though? I'm, I don't know. I'm like 20%, 30% surprised that he stayed. I thought it was always the more likely scenario that he ended up sticking around. Just because it would have been a fairly dramatic move to fire him a year after um, going to the Super Bowl. And in a year when, um, at points, they were the best team in the NFL. Obviously, the collapse at the end was terrible but they still made the playoffs and all that but i think there's a history of howie roseman the gm being fairly aggressive in firing head coaches he fired chip kelly after one bad year um doug peterson was only two years removed from the super bowl i think maybe three i'm getting the years mixed up um when he was fired and it was basically because he refused to move on from the coordinators and so i think you saw a similar sort of maybe dynamic play out with sirianni in which I could imagine Howie Roseman going to him and being like, you have to fire the coordinators or you're gone. And Doug Peterson wanted to do that. And so he got kicked out. Um, And Sirianni chose to do that. He fired both the coordinators. And so because I think he was sort of willing to retreat back into the background a little bit, be a a culture guy, his CEO, and like sort of like less involved, um, I think it was probably the right move to give him one more year. Though I do worry you get into sort of a Brandon Staley situation where it was very clear that there was a massive collapse at the end of last year and things weren't going well. But based on like the history of how things had gone, uh, you give him another chance and then it just gets even worse the next year. Um, so do I think it was our decision to keep him one more year? I think so. The players seem to really like him. Um, like I've seen a bunch, and maybe that's just like a team unity type thing. But the players say he's really good at like holding them accountable, like really good in like film sessions stuff like that. Even if things fell apart a little bit at the end of year in terms of like play calling and scheme, so I don't know. I I think one more year was the right option, and I'm not super surprised they didn't fire him given they were in the Super Bowl last year and had a winning record and made the playoffs this year. Um, but so yeah, I, I'm like moderate 
not not really surprised that he stayed. I think it was probably the right call. I yeah, I think so. I think they'd be so aggressive if <laughs> after winning the yeah. next season after winning the Super Bowl and then you still make the playoffs and they get rid of you. That'd be crazy. I think. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think we discussed this on a previous episode. I. I feel like the the defense obviously was a mess, and the the coaching on the defensive side was a bit of a mess. And so, I feel like he deserves a second chance to get the right coordinators in for that and whatnot. And we'll see if he fails a second time with that, we kick him out. But yeah, what's also interesting for me is that the um, the I think that like with the coordinators, things weren't bad until they hired they fired the defensive coordinator. Like they were. I think they were ten and three when he got fired because they they come off two fairly bad losses to the 49ers and to the Cowboys, uh, but they were still ten and three. They were first in the NFC East. They had lost to two of arguably the best teams mm-hmm. in the NFL after having beaten the Bills and the Chiefs and the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it was shocking that after sort of that gauntlet of midseason games that they had mm-hmm. that they like kind of laid an egg against one of them. Right, mm-hmm. like it was bound to happen at least once, and basically that happened. And they fired the coordinator, and they were—I think—they were top ten in run defense coming in to those games with Sean Desai. And I know that, yeah, again, those, the 49ers and second Cowboys game weren't great, but firing somebody who was doing a fairly decent job, like you know, two thirds of the way through the year, three quarters of the way through the year, in favor of Matt Patricia, is just seems like a bad move. Whoever's call that was—I don't know if that was management or Sirianni or whoever—but well, because yeah, because once Patricia in, it just the bottom fell out, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, they just completely collapsed. I think it's, like, it's a very clear line. Like, I know that the 49ers loss was bad, but there was a whole lot involved with that. Um, and, you know, but I think that the floor really fell out after they hired Matt Patricia. Like, things were a little bit of a slump. And so, if that's Sirianni's decision, I think that reflects really poorly on him. But if it was management's decision, I cut Sirianni himself a little bit of slack. All right. And then another guy. These are all guys, by the way, that Wyatt wants to see fired. Um, but <laughs> Mike McCarthy is the last one here. This one, again, I'm not surprised he didn't get fired, and I don't think he should. Like, at some point, it has to. I love, I love Dak. I like, I will be rooting for him. But at some point, you have to kind of realize that Dak, Dak is the limiting factor, not Mike McCarthy. Like, we have first off a larger body of work with Dak there in the Cowboys, and. Um, the blame is always going to go on McCarthy, though, because he's, it's easier to get rid of a coach, and they're getting paid way less money than like Dak is, for example. And NFL GMs will always bail on a coach first before they bail on a quarterback. But like Mike McCarthy, I think, actually did prove a lot this year. First off, they didn't lose because of like some embarrassing blunder or anything like that in the playoffs. Like, first off, they lost because Dak well, – part of the reason is because Dak played really poorly. Like, two interceptions. One of them was a pick six, right, two, through two interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. last year against the 49ers, that was kind of the story as well, is that like he, he threw too many interceptions. And Mike McCarthy took over play-calling duties from Kellen Moore. Everybody was like, well, now we're going to see how good of a coach McCarthy really is. And it turned out he was great. Like They, went, they got um, jumped five places in terms of total offense and in, in part like helped Dak get to like how good he played this year. But like we've said this before, if your quarterback is making that big money, they need to outplay the, the – um, like deficit that they create by having such a big contract. And Dak just hasn't proven that he's able to do that, and especially in the playoffs, 
regular season, he's a great quarterback, but playoffs, he's just not proven he can do that. And I think at some point, like, you have to – really, I would say Mahomes is the only person maybe that's proven that in, like, the last five or six years. Like, even when, when Brady won the Super Bowl, he was on, like, a decently discounted contract, let's say. Um, the other people that have made the playoffs have been, like – or Super Bowl have been, like, Stafford, Burrow. Stafford, who, again, was, like, not getting paid as, like, a top ten – probably not top ten at least. Definitely not a top five quarterback at the time. Not getting paid that way. Burrow, who's on his rookie contract. Hurts, who's on his rookie contract. You know what I mean? Like, is Mahomes really the only person that's proven he can, like, outplay his – or he can play well enough to make up the deficit of his contract? And even then, he has the best, like, tight end of all time. So, anyway, I think it's kind of time maybe to realize that, like – Again, I really I'm rooting for Dak, but I think it's kind of be like he's kind of the limiting mm-hmm. factor here, not McCarthy. Like McCarthy's went twelve and five the last three seasons. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I I, I kind of yeah, Mike McCarthy is just again people get narratives, and the narrative is that like Mike McCarthy is like kind of dumb or something, and like people will just kind of run with that. Like seriously, that's kind of the narrative, which I don't think is really mm-hmm. true or fair. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that one's hard because he's the one I feel a little bit closest to i don't know on this list i guess of mcdermott um sirianni and mccarthy of the three that weren't fired i think mccarthy you have the best case for because he hasn't really shown and i get it like a lot of it's on dak and i'm i'm the last person on earth to defend dak as an elite (laughs) quarterback but i think that um i think that with both sirianni and mcdermott there's been some level of success and the failures have been understandable if not great like mcdermott has the bills sirianni made a super bowl and this year the team just kind of like collapsed with patricia and everything like and maybe you can put that on him but with mccarthy there's never been that level of success with the cowboys that you could sort of attribute so i also don't think he should have been fired i'm i agree with you jared but i think he's the closest of the three that i would say that should have been yeah. Even though Mike McCarthy is the only of the three to have won a Super Bowl, I don't know. Like he's he's proven he fi- <laughs> fifteen years ago. That's that still that, that doesn't mean. Right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. To me, or it's else, like it's it's the Doc Rivers argument. Like, in, I mean, to get into the NBA, it's like Mike McCarthy is the Doc Rivers kind of. Doc Rivers won one championship fifteen <laughs> or sixteen years ago, and it's not been a good coach in like any stop yeah. since. But it's still just like living off that high because he can get a team into the playoffs. But he, he still fails to make adjustments. He still doesn't play any young. Like, he has the same issues he's had. Um, and so it's like, yeah, Mike McCarthy and Doc Rivers feel the same to me in that sort of sense, where they're riding off one championship as their reputation. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was kind of surprised that he wasn't fired. Not even from a, like, he should or should not be, because I think I'm kind of, like, 50-50. Um, I, was, I was expecting it, though, just because of how embarrassing that loss was. And I feel like how it was a good season, but to have that happen again, a playoff disappointment and in a pretty embarrassing fashion at home, it just felt like Jerry Jones was going to snap. So I'm, yeah, I feel like the <laughs> is so short. Like if they start the regular season slow next year or something, I feel like it could be a quick, um, you know, a quick end for McCarthy. But what's more likely is that they, they do okay in the regular season and then lose mm-hmm. in the first round and then he goes again. I think I think I think Jimmy uh, or Jerry Jones's like um, reputation of like being on a short leash or whatever is also not deserved. Like he gave Jason Garrett what like yeah, eight seasons, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. I think he's quite a patient owner, actually. 
compared yeah. to some of the others. I just feel like he must like he gives these press conferences after, and he just seems so exacerbated, so just frustrated. <laughs> yeah, like, there's yeah, no way <laughs> like, this guy's staying. So I was I was surprised. Um, yeah, but it yeah. really does seem like there's no way if they don't win a playoff game or two next year, there's no way McCarthy is surviving. Right, like. No. Barring something yeah, crazy happens, yeah. Dave, I'm, I'm looking at. He's won. Did you mention this, Jared? He's won one playoff game with them, and it was against the eight and ten Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't mention that. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think good. the difference too between you, you mentioned Jared that he's the only one of the three of them that's won a Super Bowl is that that was also with a different team and a different structure. I think Sirianni and McDermott have had and one of the best at least some degree time. of sick. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> And, like, Sirianni and McDermott have won in this structure, whereas McCarthy, I mean, has won, but in the playoffs has never really made any any sort of noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll continue. We're going to continue with NFL coaches here and talk about Dan Campbell a little bit. Um, in their NFC Championship game, they obviously blew a very large lead to the 49ers and – Potentially part of that was how Dan Campbell was very aggressive on his fourth down calls um, and two, with two of them being in field goal range and not converting. Lucas, do you think he cost the Lions the game? And what's the outlook for the Lions to get back to this position or the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think in the moment I like was like when they went for that first fourth, first, that first fourth. My short answer, yes, I think he blew it for them by mm. going, probably being so aggressive. Um I think that um, the first fourth down where they were, they could have kicked a field goal. It was probably makeable, and they could have gone up three scores versus two. I think that's a like situationally football wise when there's seven or eight minutes left in the third quarter, you can go up three scores versus two. I think it fundamentally changes like this, like how you attack a game if you're if the if you're up three scores versus two scores. So I think from that perspective, you could tell like. I think not going for it there was a really bad decision. But it's fine. Maybe it's excusable. I think then that the second fourth down, I don't know if he was trying to prove something or what, but I think that was an even more egregious call to, like, not go for it there. And so I think... Wait, hold on. Okay, when you say second, I feel like there were multiple fourth downs. Which one exactly? Okay. So there are two fourth downs. The one where they're down 24 to 10. um, And then the other one... The one late, like very end of the game, they could have kicked a field goal. Yep. It was seven minutes left. They could have kicked the field goal to tie it. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Right? Yep. Yes. And it ended up, the 49ers ended up going, they, they didn't kick the field goal. The 49ers went and they went up 10 and like the game was kind of yep. over from that point. I think both situationally are like very bad football decisions. And I apologize for not sort of breaking down, which each was. And I know that, like, I've seen a lot of people defending him on Twitter of, like, well, the aggressiveness is what got him here. But I think it's, like, it doesn't reflect well on a coach when they can't be adaptable to the situation. Like, you can afford to take those risks a little bit in the regular season. There is a margin for error. Um, if, you know, you don't get a fourth down in one game, you lose. They still would have won the NFC North if they had, you know, lost one more game at this point. I think there's a little bit margin for error. And, like, it paid off a lot in the regular season. But I think when you get into, like, playoffs you have to be very situationally smart in ways that just dan campbell was not at all in that game and it was frustrating to watch because you could feel when they missed the first fourth down the the 24 to 10 one um the whole momentum of the game just totally shifted like even aside Mm -hmm. from the 
this it being 20 27 to 10 versus 24 to 10 is a huge difference in and of itself but um like the the momentum shift that happened from there too was huge and so it's just it feels like he was like so gung-ho about like sticking to his guns like i'm aggressive i'm that guy and then like he didn't take a second to think like is this actually smart for my football team and so the first one i get to some extent and you could really put them away if you score a touchdown there or whatever even though i don't know how different being up 27 10 versus 31 10 is <clears throat> um in terms of just like the way the 49ers are playing the game because it's still three scores but i think that the last one where you could have tied it with like seven minutes left is inexcusable right it just does not make any sense to me mm-hmm. especially because if your fear right is that like the 49ers are just relentless you can't stop them they're going to score a touchdown anyway you know what let's say you get it there what was the score it was 27 30 at that point I'm trying to think of something like that or no 24 27 uh yeah i know they went up 10 before i think it was 24 27 at that point mm-hmm. the lions were down 24 27 um right so let's say you go and you score a touchdown there if your concern is that the 49ers are just going to go down and score anyway then you're still losing if they go down and score even if you get the touchdown right like let's say you go down you score it's 31 27 then the 49ers get it back they go all the way down and score and it's 34 31 and you're still losing but if you kick the field goal, it's the, it's the exact same scenario. If the 49ers go down and score a touchdown, you're still losing the game. Um, they're, they're really only, but if you kick a field goal, it's still, you can get it back. You can tie it up. To me, you, you take this really, really unnecessarily aggressive approach in a way that was just not necessary. And I realize this has all been kind of rambling and my notes <laughs> for this weren't the most cohesive, but I just, I think it was a very bad decision on Dan Campbell's part. <laughs> I think I, I was initially of that mind. I've kind of come around. I think the first one was a good call. I think, like, first of all, it was a drop. Like, they really should have converted it. But the Lions, within going for it within two to three yards this year, they've done it 23 times, which, yeah, that's that's their MO. They've done it the most in the NFL. And they had a 70% success rate, which is, like, compared to the league average, which was 52%. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And they had a good look on that one. And their kicker... I mean, he joined them in late December, right? Because their initial kicker wasn't cutting it. He's kicked one field goal over 50 yards. His second longest was 41 yards. And those, I think, were in domes anyway. On his career, he's 75% from in the 40s range and 5 for 13 from 50 plus. So the field goals were going to be like 46 yards, 48 yards. So in the 50 ballpark, like, I don't know how much, like, he, it's probably a better than coin flip that he makes it probably like 60 percent or something but i don't know that's still kind of a question mark whether he's going to make both of those long field goals so i i didn't mind the first one at all um kind of looking back on it the second one yeah i kind of like there's something he said for the fact that like it just felt doomed when they were going for it because of how the momentum was going and so maybe it would have been the right call to just kick a field goal um and you know hope that that could turn things around a little bit. But given how successful they've been at doing that all season and the fact that, yes, the Niners could just go back and, and kick a field goal to, to win it, right, if you if the Niners kicked a field goal or if the Lions had chosen to kick a field goal instead, I feel like it wasn't that bad a move. Like, it didn't work out, obviously, but you kind of live and die by that to some degree. And I'm not sure they would have lived with the field goals either. Yeah, I feel like you have to differentiate good process from good results. 
I feel like the process and the decision making was fine because like the articles I've read about this seem to say that the analytics are in favor of them going forward on all of those like moments. And then like the fact that Reynolds, what's his Joshua Reynolds dropped mm-hmm. a wide open pass on one of them. That's not on Dan Campbell. The fact that like Jameer Gibbs fumbled on that first player that one of the drives and completely turned the game around. That's not on Dan Campbell either. So like, I know you said that you don't like the fact that people said they've been doing it all, all year and so they should stick to it. But I actually like that argument just because it's like the process is there. Their process was in place. They clearly are a very well-rehearsed team as far as going for it on fourth down goes. And, and like Dan Campbell earned that like trust with his, with his guys by like letting them go for it many times before. And you kind of like erode that in a way. I feel like if you suddenly say, hey, oh, it's the playoffs and now we're not going to do that anymore. I would say if there's any decision he should be criticized for, it's at the end when they chose to run it and they burned a timeout. Uh, like yep. near the end of the game, they were down by 10, I think. Yeah. Uh, Cause then they could have still gotten the ball back if they hadn't done that. And then you could also even say, really, he should have been more aggressive and gone for it before halftime instead of kicking a field goal. <laughs> but the ones where he went for it, I, I think I'm with eight and I, I've come around and I think it's in hindsight, actually it's fine. I was in the same, I was in the same boat, but, but where I like, um, when I first saw it, I was like, what is he doing? But yeah, afterwards, and like, especially the biggest one for me was the kicker. It's not like his kicker is not super accurate, basically. That was kind of the big one for me where it's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, they technically did have a better chance of converting the fourth down than the kicker had of making it. Because um, you said it was what, like 70%, Aiden? Yes, which is and crazy. the kicker. And I'm not saying that they could that really good. You know, replicate that against the Niners, right? Like, But... but and the kicker was like 45%, I think, on kicks of 48 yards or longer, which is kind of like a weird one, but still, it's like a coin flip. Yeah, <laughs> it's not He's as kind like, of a jury yeah. man, like, you know, like mm-hmm. second, second option kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So, it's really I also, I also kind of like the argument. What's that? Go ahead, Bart. Just like how, how important kickers are. Like, you don't. Yeah. Like uh-huh. The fact that they, they really replaced absolutely. a kicker in December doomed them in a way it's like yeah it's tough anyways sorry what were you saying yeah and when you start playing the really good teams it's like those sorts of margins or whatever like the really fine margins are what's gonna determine if you win the game you know or not um i also like the argument that they've been consistent like the entire year like they're they went for it on fourth down this more than any other team except for the panthers so i kind of like that too where it's (laughs) a lot of people have been like (laughs) what's that I didn't realize the Panthers were sort of yeah. Like, that's kind of they're always behind, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the argument is like the Ravens did an even worse job because they completely abandoned who they were, like play calling wise. They didn't run the ball for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Where like the Lions were like clearly well prepared, you know what I mean, um, mm-hmm. as well, and just they lost playing the way that they play, and that's that's how it happens sometimes. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think Dan Campbell looks at analytics, though. He was probably just like... That's exactly what I don't think so either. No way. The Lions absolutely have like a really intense analytics. There's definitely somebody in his headset who's saying, <laughs> you should go for it now. The puppet master. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, that's that's funny. Yeah. I did appreciate his candor after the game of like, mm-hmm. I told the guys, like, you might never get this shot again. Mm. Uh, like. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's gonna be gunning for them in the future and stuff like that. So, yeah. I just don't. I understand all your arguments, and I do know you have to separate process from results. But 
it's just frustrating to like the way those things change the momentum i think some things matter beyond the analytics of a situation and i think that no, no, I'm 100% numbers, serious. Numbers, no, I know. Numbers are everything. Yeah. Then your analytics aren't good enough. Okay, right, yeah. right. Because the momentum of that game fundamentally changed after they missed the first fourth down. Like you could, mm-hmm. like watching the game, things just felt dramatically different. Mm-hmm. And I think a fourth down stop mentally for a team is so much bigger than a missed field goal. And I can't explain why, but you could, like, the second that they missed, like, even if they missed that field goal. They only had to make one of those two. If you like, if it's a coin flip, it was make it to stay in the game. They only had to make one of those two, essentially, to have a chance mm-hmm. to tie it at the end. So, and I think from just like a momentum, right? I'm doing the I'm doing the math here, right? They lost I by three, so yeah. if they they right, just it, would have had to make one yeah, of the two, yeah. right? Yeah, right. But then or they would have only been down by seven. Or, couldn't yeah. you argue they yeah. just had to make one of the two conversions? <laughs> you can, you can. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Check me. Well, they didn't, but, but I mean, <laughs> no, no. I mean, and, that, and that's one hundred percent fair. Um, but I think that from like a purely momentum perspective, you could, the second that happened, I'm like, the Lions are going to lose this game. <laughs> that's, that's you could fair. just you could yeah. just feel it happening because yeah. the Niners came out yeah, and true. they got the lucky. Well, I yeah, think I on the I next. Didn't even mention that. Yeah. Yeah, the bounce the off the face mask yeah. thing was that's crazy. The, yeah, 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 it was on the next. No, it just, was on the next drive. It just, it just felt like once that happened, like it felt like everything just spiraled out of control so quickly, and so I don't know. Yeah, I just hate like there's nothing I hate more than a team taking their foot off the gas pedal and just like kind of passively losing a lead. You know what I mean? Like it drives me crazy when they stop like blitzing when they stop kind of being aggressive. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I see what you're saying. I also feel like. I don't know. There's, they just had so, so few like nice moments in the second half of the game to kind of turn around the momentum, and maybe a field goal would have given them that, like a little win. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Least, yeah. But but again, it, the fourth down conversions, I guess, would have given that to them that too. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah. That's but a fair point that you can't really account for momentum stats wise. I agree. It's fair Take point. that, Bart. Yeah. I don't know how you quantify it, but I'm sure there's analytics behind yeah, it too. But it's just like it's almost like I know the did the Niners come out and kick a field goal on their first drive of the second half? Uh, I have the thing up. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It's like okay, that was a little win for them. But it still felt like the lines were driving, they were picking up steam, and then all that just felt stopped in its tracks the second they got like stopped on the fourth down. It just felt like the whole tenor of the game changed at that moment in the way where it gave the 49ers a belief that they could win in a way it didn't really feel like they had the whole game real far. Because it's not like they came out in the second half and were like, 80-yard pass to Debo touchdown. Like They had a fine drive where they kicked a field goal. Like By no means changing the, the momentum of the game. But I think when they got that stop, it instilled a belief in them that they might not have. Yeah. necessarily had before and I mean, obviously the, i don't want to like attribute like certain thoughts and feelings to people like in terms of how they're reacting and but yeah i think that something mm-hmm. felt like it fundamentally shifted after that first fourth down in a way that mm-hmm. i don't know i can't explain other than i could like fiz- feel like i was watching that game and like just like spiral out of could see what was gonna happen yeah yeah <laughs> But I do want to see the Lions get back. I think they're still going to be very good yeah. next year. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah let's also, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Or I think we should talk about the Lions draft class, which ended up being really good, even though they really got good. a lot of flack for that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? Like, pretty much all their picks worked out. Jameer Gibbs, you could still maybe say was too high, but he was he was fantastic. Um, Sam Laporta, obviously fantastic. Brian Branch, fantastic. Mm-hmm. That, like, linebacker mm-hmm. that they drafted, again, probably too early, was also an all-rookie selection, was second mm-hmm. on the team in tackles. Like, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Good point. Very good point. Dan Campbell. Yeah, Yeah, they drafted really well. All the flags. He he definitely knows what he's doing. Nothing. His teams are well prepared. His teams have been well prepared. No, I I think he's already, like, he's got to be considered a top five coach, right? In the league. Maybe top 10. But, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. he's terrific. And I hate the fact that he's in the NFC North. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like everyone wants to play there now. You know? Like, he's made Detroit, like, the place to be mm-hmm. so. yeah and it's because yeah. when he started there's the whole meme about like him biting kneecaps right that was him whatever the who's yeah, like, yeah. Uh-huh. very weird and like overly <laughs> ag- aggressive but now it's like oh he's actually super likable and a good coach. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the number Where of times they before? played was he with that, the saints yeah 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 he's like assistant head coach yeah. or something um, yeah but the number of times i heard that sound bite over the past like two weeks yeah. leading up to the game was just ridiculous oh like espn <laughs> would play it on like <laughs> loop anytime mm-hmm. they're bringing up the line but yeah, they're bringing back their offensive coordinator. Didn't leave. They don't need to pay. Yeah. They don't need to increase Jared Goff's contract. Like, and he's coming back. So there are another good draft class, like you said, Aiden. Could they could be back here? I think. Mm-hmm. For so. sure. Yep. Yep. All right, but the team that beat them, though, the San Francisco 49ers, have a super, maybe the most polarizing player in the league right now. Uh, Brock Purdy <laughs> gets a crazy amount of hate. And I, I don't really understand it. So, so my thing is that if he was not a seventh-round pick, this, this conversation would be completely different. And narratives just follow players around, and your first impression of them is what the media will stick with. But the reality is that like the Brock Purdy detractors are focusing on the eye test for his criticism. I mean, just look at him play. He can't be that good or something. Or look at his tools. He can't be that good. But when like the same subjective biases and tools that scouts used on him to say he was should have been drafted last in the NFL draft are be, are being applied to how good he is in the NFL but there we have objective stats now is what i'm saying so of course you're going to think he's bad if you use the same tools that said he was bad coming into the league and then you just use those again of course you're going to think he's bad so the first argument against him is that he has great players that's the only reason why or that's why he's good or maybe that's the only reason why he's good you can say that and yes, he does have great players. I'm not going to dispute that. Like the 49ers have been in the top five both seasons, seasons Purdy has started. But Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is another great quarterback. And the Chiefs have already been first in yards after catch for four straight seasons now. And every year that he's been a starter, they've been top five in yards after catch, catch total, and yards after catch per completion. Again, when Jalen Hurts had that breakout year, nobody's like saying, I, most people aren't going out and saying like he was only good because he has a great team. But again, he, they were also top five in yards after catch. Burrow's breakout year, too, when they went to the Super Bowl, same thing. So it's like, well, of course, it's not a knock on him that, he has, that he's playing with good players. And, like, you're going to make your players good, too. Another thing, too, is, like, um, well, I'll get into that later. Second argument against him is they don't ask him to do anything. I hear this one all the time. And this is also just objectively not true, in my opinion. And the thing that they'll use is they'll point to his pass attempts or yards per attempt as a reason to knock him on this. But I think if you're, if you're saying, if you're looking at a quarterback and you're looking at his stats, take away the names, 
and you're not asking him to do anything, that would mean you're mostly asking him to like throw short passes and let the receivers do the work, right? But that doesn't pan out, again, with Brock Purdy. Their average depth of target in 2023, um, which is intended air yards per pass attempt, essentially. The 49ers are not like bottom half of the league. They're tied for 10th at 8.2 yards. Of 8.2 air yards uh, <laughs> per intended pass. The Chiefs are second to last. In terms of completed air yards per completion, so like yards of the ball traveled in the air past the line of scrimmage prior to completion, they're literally first in the league in that in that stat. So it's not like they're just saying, I, I think the stat you might use, Bart, is like he leads the league in like 15-yard plus completions um, behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, people will use that. But again, like the, the, the stat that like they don't ask him to do anything or whatever, and like... Again, that you would think he's throwing short passes or whatever, but he's not. He's throwing them through the air where they could get intercept him, like, literally farther than any other quarterback. The Chiefs, by the way, are, like, second to last in average depth to target or whatever. Anyway, mm. another thing is, like, okay, Jimmy G did this, too. That, let's say that's the third argument. But that's, again, not true. Like, if you look at their San Francisco career, Brock Purdy's touchdown-to-interception ratio is about a touchdown better, so 2.9 touchdowns per interception where jimmy g's was 1.9 completion percentage only a percentage better but still that's going to count with how many pass attempts there are um for an nfl quarterback and then passer rating he's a full 12 points higher than jimmy g so we can dismantle that argument and then they can say well of course we weren't ever saying that jimmy g was better or whatever but like he's not just better than jimmy g like the fact of the matter is that he's a top 10 maybe even a top five quarterback this year if you just look at like third in passing touchdowns Fourth in completion percentage, fifth in passing yards. And I think, so again, like just objectively, if you like the objective measures that we use, like he, maybe you don't want to say he's a top five quarterback. You have to say he's a top 10 quarterback, in my opinion, if you just look objectively at like what he's doing. And I think my, the last thing I'll say is that like the people that like hate on Brock Purdy because he's being compared to Joe Montana or Tom Brady or something. First off, I don't actually see anybody that is like actually comparing them <laughs> him to Tom Brady yeah. or Joe Montana. They might be comparing the narrative like of it, which is fun. Yeah. But like they're not nobody's actually saying that he's like the greatest of all time right now when he hasn't done anything. And like they also the people that are criticizing those arguments, so one in my opinion are like inventing those arguments and two are like if they are getting invented, they're working at the same networks of the people that are inventing that narrative. So like I don't know. I just think people are getting mad at imaginary comparisons and not, like, the actual play of Brock Purdy. That's where I'm going to leave it right there. Let's hear All right, what's your stat? What's your stat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to I preface this by saying, actually, Jared, in my research, I found more things that support Purdy than not, which I was surprised by. So I, I think your point about people... Like he actually has been a fantastic quarterback this year, which I didn't realize. Like even if you account for all the other stuff, I'll get into that. But yeah, I think your point, Jared, about how people have taken their first impression of him and kind of stuck with it—that at least holds true to me. I was not giving him his due credit. So, anyways, the stat specifically that I was pointing to, this is, I think, one of the craziest stats I've heard in a long, long time. I haven't—I don't remember if I mentioned this on the last episode. If you got rid of all of the passes that he threw this year that went passed through the line of scrimmage. Like if those didn't exist, he still would have led the league in yards per attempt and EPA per dropback. 
Like, he could literally turn sideways every play, hand the ball off to McCaffrey on a shovel pass or to Debo, and he would be the best quarterback in the league by that metric. It's insane. Mm. I could play quarterback in that system. That's what that stat is saying. No, you but, could, but that's <laughs> not all that we're on... asking him to do, though. Is, is the no, thing. I know, I know, like, I know. I, yeah, for sure. That was for sure. 14% of plays were behind the line of scrimmage yeah, but the, of his pass The attempts. point is that his system and Kyle Shanahan's system and the yeah. talent of the skill players is so elite mm-hmm. that he, he can afford to make mistakes. Also, I want okay. to check you on one thing, Jared, because the 49ers actually were first in uh, yards after catch per completion, not the Chiefs. Chiefs were second. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, the so, y- yards after catch total was the Chiefs, though. For They have been yeah, first but, four I years. I mean, throughout. total is – if you're not – Sure, but again – attempt, then anyways. Okay, to rephrase, they have they have been top five. Every year that Mahomes has been a starter, they've been top five in both stats. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that. The only other thing I wanted to say is that I, I found a tweet saying the, the, this guy does – uh, like EPA and the adjusts for things that are out of the quarterback's control, basically like pass protection, dropped passes, dropped interceptions, yep. things like that. Yep. And Brock yeah. Purdy is hurt the most by things like he, let me rephrase that. He is, he benefits the most from the things that are outside of his control of all the quarterbacks in the league this year. Mm-hmm. So again, like he throws a bunch of dropped interceptions over the course of the season, for example, and you don't see that anymore because mm-hmm. they don't count in the, in the box score, things like that. So I think that there is something to it. But, yeah, again, like, I saw so many stats that actually support him. Like, he was, like, the best deep passer this year. He was PFF's number one rushing quarterback, which I didn't realize. Like, there are tons of stats that are actually in in his favor, which is why I say he is still actually an elite quarterback. But all I'm saying is that people who are, like, always overrated, he's not actually that good because he gets a ton of help and things like that. I think that is also true. Both things can be true. Yeah. But like, the, the, but like, Holmes, Mahomes gets a lot of help too. I guess is what I would say. No, like Mahomes. Jalen Hurts got a lot of help too. Mahomes' receivers this year are trash. I think this Mahomes. Year, they, they dropped. Cheap they cheap. dropped a lot. They dropped a lot of balls. But again, they, they're first in yards after catch. Like that's. You, so you either you either have to say if if they're first in yards after catch, you either have to say that's good play calling or good receivers. Give me one of them. Because Purdy Purdy has that too. Like Mahomes has it. Purdy has it. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it's that, and I'm saying I don't think it's that effective of like a knock against him. Yeah, because if you're setting up your receivers to have good yards after catch situations, that's that's good. And even on the like yards after catch for behind the line of scrimmage, the fact that he's been such a good deep passer this year and was so effective at that surely helps the effectiveness of their mm-hmm. like short game, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, but so does. But yeah, I know what you're saying, Bart. Around yeah, yeah, I think Christian he had McCaffrey. multiple dropped interceptions in both playoff games so far, right? Um, so. Oh, here, Jared, yeah. here's the stat. The Chiefs had the yeah, worst drop percentage this year, and the Niners had the best. That's the one I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, mm-hmm. that's so, fair. They have dropped That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where does he fall? Are we Like, for me, he's top eight. I'm going <laughs> to. I, I knew you were going <laughs> to. <laughs> no, he is. All right, like, obviously, you're going to put Mahomes in front of him. Yeah, I think you can yep. put Josh Allen, yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yep, for sure. Probably Joe mm-hmm. Burrow. Maybe yep. Justin Herbert ahead of him. I don't really know. I don't know if I would put Justin Herbert above. Him. Yeah, yeah you, the top you could why are we still on the Justin sure. Herbert? <laughs> <laughs> I would he not put Justin Harbaugh Herbert better. above him. Okay, then he's top five. Uh, uh, it gets messy weird. in that region, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's like a fair argument. I don't. I don't know if I'm putting those. them ahead of him, but. Jalen Hurts, Tua, C.J. Stroud, oh. like they all deserve a mention in that conversation. Even, Even Dak. Dak, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like it's a very messy outside that. I would even put Joe Burrow closer down 
to that sort of mess of things mm-hmm. oh, really? than I would to the. T- I think it's I think it's Mahomes, Allen, and Lamar are very clear top three, and then it's just a mess from like four to eleven, of mm-hmm. like like you said like C.J. Stroud, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Joe Burrow, C.J. Sh- <laughs> like that whole like sort of like group yeah. of quarterbacks there after the top three I think. Even so again, he's for sure. Was like, yeah, Stafford I mean, was great. Stafford, Stafford yeah. Goff, you could say too. But I think or for sure he's top too, ten. Yeah, for sure he's top ten. Yeah, I I think that's fair. One hundred percent. Yeah. I wish I wish I was a good enough like coder or something to do like an analysis of like how often are people actually saying Brock Purdy is as good as Tom Brady or as good as Joe Montana? But <laughs> exactly, like, that'd be <laughs> super cool hate. to see. I know. I, I've yeah, I never the, like, see any of that. I see almost that all hate talks too. about. I, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, inventing it. They work. They literally work it's for the same yeah. networks that are inventing that he's like that yeah, guy. Yeah, no, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's just imagine. I'm, I'm literally going to go to Twitter right now, and I'm going to say Brock Purdy, Joe Montana. How many total tweets <laughs> did come up? I feel like it's not very many. Okay, you know what? I forgot that Twitter doesn't tell you how many. Okay, disregard. Oh, <laughs> dang. All right. Why? Why? You got to listen to this section. We dismantled your Brad Purdy hate. Um, but <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to put words in Wyatt's mouth. But what? The listen. phone is ringing? Is the <laughs> we have a call. It's Wyatt out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's do a quick Super Bowl prediction while we're on this, too. We've mentioned some of the Chiefs. We mentioned um, 49ers and everything. I'll go first. Um, I think the I think the 49ers are going to win actually. Both teams are really good. Um I really like what the 49ers they've started really poorly in some of these games but again they just are like a really stacked roster and probably don't have as many holes as the Chiefs do. Um it like it's hard to say it's hard to bet against Mahomes but yeah, I think I'm going to go 49ers. Uh I'll go Lucas next. What do you think? I think it's going to be the Chiefs. I think that, it, like you said, it's hard to bet against Mahomes. It's hard to bet against that experience. They just feel sort of inevitable at this point in the way that the Brady Patriots did in my mind. So I think it's a bad bet to always bet against them. Um, I know it's Mahomes' worst year. People say that. But they have the best defense they've ever had in his era. And I think that sort of combination of such an elite defense with just having Mahomes, even if the receiver core isn't great. Travis Kelsey has turned it around in the playoffs. Like, I think it's it's hard to bet against the Chiefs. So, I think they're going to win. All popcorn. Bart. I'm, I'm on the Chiefs train as well. I would have picked the Ravens if the Ravens had won, uh, but the Chiefs just appended them. I don't think we can discount the fact that the Chiefs on the road, I remember saying the stat about how Mahomes has played so many playoff games at home. They've beaten the Bills and the Ravens on the road, two of the best teams in the league. I know the Niners are great, but the Chiefs are just full of like good energy, yeah. good vibes right now. So mm-hmm. I'm taking the yep. Chiefs. Yeah, they've gotten hot at the right time, as I think we kind of, yeah, it felt a little bit inevitable. I'm also going Chiefs. It's just like gut-wise, it's hard to pick against them at the moment. But if they do lose, it's going to be... Because like Marcus Valdez Scantling drops like <laughs> like I can imagine <laughs> I can imagine them having like a yeah um, a mishap to lose it, but we'll see. Should be oh, a good yeah. game. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Apparently, Kadarius Tony was reactivated for the Super Bowl, and everybody's like huge blow for the odd yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> swing. Yeah. Oh man, I lost before they even started. 
Yeah, I think I think it'll be it'll be a good game. I can't say the Chiefs after I just defended Brock Purdy and be like, well, but I think the Chiefs are going to win or something. So I, yeah. I'll stick with the 49ers. But I'll be, I think it'll yeah. be, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, a lot of people, the sentiment is like, can they both lose or whatever? But I don't really have any problem against either team. I like, I think both uh, teams overall, but like both quarterbacks are really likable and everything. Like, I don't have any problem with any, either of them winning, but that's just me. I'm just, bored. I think the Chiefs have turned into a villain. This year, a little. Bit. Why have they though? It's just. That. I think the whole like Mahomes's attitude after the Bills thing. I'm just kind of sick of him. I feel like Travis Kelsey has been like a little bit of a, yeah. a little annoying in a way that he wasn't before, like <laughs> with the Justin Tucker thing. Yeah, and the way he was like getting all up in guys' grills and the Raven. In the Raven, I think he's been this. I think he's been pretty consistent, but. He's been like that. No, the I think. Time, but. <laughs> no, I think there's a different level to it. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe it's just because I'm bored of the Chiefs. Yeah. The, I, the worst thing like, has like, absolutely been the cuts to Taylor Swift in the broadcasts. I'm sorry, T Swift fan. I don't it's have any be, problem with it. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> It has no. It has nothing to do with the game. What I hate like, more is all the commercials Travis Kelsey is on. It's literally like every commercial, and I'm just so sick of it. I can't do it. I don't mind the yeah. you know, I don't know every let, quarter. Let the man get his money. Yeah. It's gonna be, they got a short yeah. career. He's cashing in. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Certainly getting his money. True. I like Jason still, but Travis has got gotten a little too. too again, again, Travis has been I, super I consistent. Know. Like in terms, I think in terms of how he's like, act, he's always been like, grab the microphone, like fight for the right to party and all that stuff. Like he's always been that guy, I yeah. think. And also all yeah. the all the commercials he filmed, like he did it before he was dating Taylor Swift or whatever. It's not like, yep. you know. Oh yeah, I, I have no. no problem with the Taylor Swift thing I'm just, at like, all. Sick like of I just, it. I think he's annoying. <laughs> or I'm just like, I can't. I've seen his face too much, and so I think that's made yeah. me resent him. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't like have anything like that personal. It's just like a overexposure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's round it out. I just think Mahomes is. Go ahead. I just don't like Mahomes either. I'm sorry. I, I maybe it's I'm a sick of Mahomes thing, but I I think he's. Do you not like his voice? Do you think his voice is annoying? No, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna knock somebody for their voice. <laughs> People do. There's so many reels about or like reels. Uh, yeah, I know. The fact that you just brought it up. On the phone, <laughs> do you not like his voice? <laughs> no, I don't have any problem with that. I think it's kind of funny though that people like fixate on that with him. No, I think that it's just the, like... It was the after the Bills thing. It's just... What like, did he do after that? I don't know what that is. Remember he was complaining about all the calls and, like, he said it to Josh Allen even, like, when they were, you know, greeting after the game. He was, oh, like, really? was something okay. stupid, like, you know, like... Well, the Chiefs, like, I feel like get a lot of calls. Yeah. Like, not to be... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they definitely do. Weirdly conspiracy about it, but I think they get a lot of calls. And for, like, one call to go against them and him to complain about it to the other team's quarterback after a fairly meaningless regular season game is like I don't know and there's been a lot of that sort of energy stuff I did just watch a video this is again a little bit off topic about how in the NBA's like you know how people like stars get more calls how they like statistically prove that like stars mm-hmm. do get more mm-hmm. calls and stuff yeah. I bet you there's been some sort of analysis done in the NFL too but yep. yeah no doubt yeah Let's uh let's yeah, round I out mean, some. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. No, no. I think part of it is I just want. I'm just kind of. It's it's the Nick Wright thing too. I just. Oh like, my gosh! Yeah, Nick. Oh, we've talked about this Nick before. Wright. Really, oh. I can't stand <laughs> when he like. And how he's like he has Mahomes Mountain and all, like 
I don't know how much of like my dislike of Mahomes is <laughs> him himself. Although I think he has gotten a little like I don't know. There are things this year that I'm like I don't know. Make me a little annoyed. Try not to like be too quick to judge people or get annoyed by people. I think my perception of Mahomes is completely warped by the way Nick Wright talks about him on Fox Sports and stuff like yeah. that. In the way that like I don't know. It sounds like you no, need to just turn off Fox Sports. <laughs> I muted Nick Wright on Twitter. All <laughs> <laughs> season. Colin Coward's hilarious though. I like Colin because he doesn't really take his like he like obviously prepares and stuff, but he doesn't like take himself too seriously. I would say. Like he knows he knows when he was like making up players on some baseball team, wasn't he? <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I think he was he naming guys on teams. Like, <laughs> two of them were just imagined. Anyway. Yeah. All right, let's round it out with some news we missed. Formula One news: Lewis Hamilton has decided he will leave Mercedes and join Ferrari. Not this year, though, in 2025, which I think is crazy how the contracts work in F1, where they're like agreeing before the even current season has started. And they're green for a contract, like, literally yep. next season is crazy. But also crazy that he's moving to the biggest the biggest um, mm-hmm. individual brand in the sport. Going to the biggest team brand in the sport is will be, like, F1's, I'm sure, is happy about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Who yeah. is... I'm quite excited yeah. about it. Oh, go ahead. Is, has it been announced who he's replacing? Or, like, what's the contract signs. situation with... Carlos Sainz. Oh, Sainz. Okay, cool. Leclerc, Leclerc's sense. always been like their, their like, Lifer kind of, yeah. yeah, like he's their, or he's like long term kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if Carlos Sainz yeah. has performed better than him over a season, but uh, I don't yep. I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. I think it's like a good marriage of like Lewis Hamilton, the big, like you said, the biggest individual brand with the biggest individual team. And I would say he's like getting kind of older. He'll be 40 next year, but Fernando Alonso looked really yeah. good this year at like 42 or 43. So I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. I don't know if any of them will compete against Red Bull because of yeah. how dominant Red Bull's car has been, but it's exciting to see. Might be 2026. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll definitely see some like beef between him and Leclerc because they both want to win. Like Leclerc's yeah. not going to be like, well, I'm not going to be a number two. Like I'm also trying to win a national or a, not a national championship, a world wow. title. Excuse World me. Title. <laughs> Is there like a lame duck season in, in that form? Like does. Does Hamilton have any incentive to... Would he have any reason um, to not really care this year? Might good question. Or no? I, he'll, he'll still want to, like, I'm sure, develop his skills, like, or, like, keep them sharp or whatever as a driver, but... <laughs> yeah, th- I think what will happen, it, it'll be more on the team side that they won't really, like, they won't ask his feedback maybe as much on how they should mm-hmm. develop the car or something like that. Or they're not. They might not tell them like what they're gonna do because they don't want Ferrari to know that sort of stuff. I think it'll be more on the team. Yeah. Um, All Star wise, the NHL All Star Game and NFL Pro Bowl Pro Bowl are both going on right now. I won't be watching either, but we'll we'll either need to watch it. No. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> I wonder if like All Star Games have outlived their sort of yes run at this point. Yeah, agreed. But they're getting there. For sure. Um, yeah. Speaking of all stars, though, Victor Wembanyama, otherwise known as Wemby, I kind of think has already like met the even like the sky high expectations they put on him. He's kind of met them, to be honest. A lot of people are like he's going to be a top five defender in the league immediately, and he kind of is. Um, he's already apparently surpassed the stats of Rudy Gobert's twenty eighteen Defensive Player of the Year 
<laughs> campaign. So chew on that. I have to defend my guy since he's a Timberwolf now. The two cherry-picked <laughs> base stats. <laughs> also, steals. Yeah, if Wemby was so yeah. good, why are the Spurs like the second worst team in the NBA? That's very true. That's <laughs> a good point. Like, I, I feel like. I, no, I'm no, I feel like also in comparing people, like I'm always like, oh well, how did LeBron do when it's the first year? And this is something that I guess not to bring up Nick Wright again, but it's something I agree with Nick Wright on that. Like, <laughs> in your head rent free, man. <laughs> Howard lives rent free in Jared's head, and Nick Wright lives rent free in Lucas's head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think LeBron is just incomparable, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I think that there's just something incomparable. How like for the rest of NBA history about. How single hand like because even in LeBron's year, I think they were like they were good, but they were like thirty two and fifty or something mm-hmm. like that when they were the worst team the year before. I mean, you look at even like Durant, like I think the Sonics were really bad in his first year. Like yeah, because he only got Westbrook like, right with like the yeah exactly two or three picks. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's like I think when comparing people, comparing them to LeBron is. That's a little. He's just so Extreme. like he's just so much better than anybody else in yep. NBA history in terms of like immediate impact. Like, you can have whatever goat debates about you know other things, but in terms of like immediate impact on a team, I think it's kind of incomparable how good LeBron yep. was from the start. Mm-hmm. Yep. And last news in the NFL booths: Greg Olson will no longer be Fox's lead broadcaster. After Tom Brady joins the the Fox crew next season, I can, I, I think Greg Olson was actually pretty good, especially when he went on Colin Coward's show. <laughs> um, I thought he did like a pretty good job, like breaking down, kind of talking about stuff that like I don't know because I've never played the game. You know how they're like, well, you never played the game, or whatever. Like Greg Olson actually like adds insight instead of just saying that. Well, he and he doesn't even say that actually. He doesn't approach it with that attitude, but he just brings in like knowledge that I'm like, okay, I got a little bit smarter about football today. By listening to him but it's tom brady like of course you're gonna move away from the greatest quarterback of all time like, i get that yeah. <laughs> i just yeah. i'm not convinced that tom brady will be great we'll see yeah, he might be too. Yeah. i just don't know if he's like that interesting <laughs> yeah he's certainly gonna be knowledgeable i just yeah well we'll see tbd well, yeah because didn't they didn't they sign me to this contract like two years ago or something and so now yeah and they yeah. never got a chance to see what he's like in the booth they just sent it so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It it's Tom Brady. So like, or like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they all. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like how how a little like, mock a little mock broadcast be about Tom Brady's like chops. Yeah. In the <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, this podcast reminds me of Greg Olson a little bit. Not in the sense that we're getting replaced <laughs> by the goat anytime soon, but in the sense that every time you listen, hopefully you learn something a little new. If not, then let us know in the reviews because that's what they're there for. You know the drill. We're on uh, social media at lunchpaleguys underscore. Holler at us. No idea when our next episode will be, but thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Bye.